0: In the last years of his college life, probably around 1720, Edward stitched together 44 sheets into a blank book and wrote on the top of the first page of holiness and he entered some thoughts. This is from that book. He, uh, He numbered it one, drew a line across it, the page, and commenced a second meditation of Christ's mediation and satisfaction. Well, by the time he had died in 1758, this manuscript, which he called the Miscellanies, had become nine volumes containing 1,360 entries, some of them elaborate treatises. He also took a King James Bible. There it is, you'll notice that little bit in the middle. This, this is the Bible part and the rest for all his notes he took he took an old King James Bible and interleaved the pages with a blank page so that he could make annotations uh, uh, on his Bible and eventually he filled up the pages with uh, three more that's a little rough for me I don't know I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's helpful for you uh, well all right uh prefer one another in love um I'm probably going to struggle. it it help just because I am using notes. Oh, we can, we can turn the light up. We'll, we'll is, is that okay, Greg? I'm sorry. Just, it's kind of blind man's bluff up here yeah, for me. Uh, uh, so uh, uh, eventually, he filled up the pages and three more manuscript volumes. And these are called Notes on Scripture. Uh, while a pastor... He would consistently spend, during the course of his day, 13 hours in his study. Even in his exercise, he didn't break from his pursuit, for he would ride with pen and paper, and if a thought occurred to him, he'd jot it down with some mnemonic ideogram and pin it to the lapel of his coat, and then eventually his whole jacket. Uh, When he returned from these rides, his wife, Sarah, would help uh, Unpin, kind of the porcupine philosopher, theologian, and so he could preserve all of his thoughts. Uh, even in his diet, he, uh, he regulated it in the interest of theological reflection. Uh, he, um, uh, here's one entry in his diary. Uh, By a sparingness in diet and eating what is light and easy of digestion, I shall doubtless be able to think more clearly and shall gain more time. One, by, uh, by lengthening out my life. Two, uh, shall need time less time for digestion after meals. Three, shall be able to study closer without wrong to my health. Fourth, shall need less time to sleep. Fifth, shall seldom or be troubled with a headache and on and on and on. He gives all these reasons why he needs to eat certain foods. He would, um, uh, if ever he ate something that would make him feel drowsy, you know, kind of like the after Thanksgiving effect, where just like, oh, where's the couch? Uh, he would eliminate that food forever from his diet in the interest of just closeness of study. Uh, you see, he had, a, he had a phobia for wasted time and had resolved in his youth, uh, this is one of his resolutions, never to lose one moment of time, but improve it the most profitable way I possibly can He even observed how fast he could work while under pressure, and would try to make that his typical rate. And indeed, uh, the times cried out for such a consecrated life. Do not all times call out for such a consecrated well for a consecrated life? Whether it's such, who knows? Okay. Um, In uh, Edward's uh, day, the truth of the gospel was coming under a uh, sustained assault. And the old paths were being widely abandoned. I think I've got a picture of him. uh, uh, um, There we are. There he is. Um, uh, Doctrines of the Bible were routinely ridiculed as unreasonable and unworthy in the name of superior enlightened judgment. Uh, Err. To this cultural moment, it became clear to Edwards that God had given him this keen mind to defend and expound the gospel to his generation, uh, to contribute his formidable intellect to building a bulwark against the growing tide of fashionable infidelity. And he wasted no time in getting started. As another of his resolutions reads, Uh, and this is when he was a college student, okay, so he's still in his early teens, okay, Um, resolved, when I think of any theorem in divinity to be solved immediately to do what I can to solve it. In other words, if there's a serious problem in theology that people haven't solved yet, I'm going to start doing that myself. Okay, he's an early teen at this point. Uh, And as he well knew, sowing to this ambition would require serious study of the Bible. Accordingly, he dedicated himself to fulfill a further resolution, quote, resolved to study the scriptures. Listen to this. This is wonderful. Oh, To study the scriptures so steadily constantly and frequently as that I might find and plainly perceive myself to grow in the knowledge of the same." What a harvest lifelong faithfulness to this resolution would bring. Uh, He was born in Connecticut in the town of East Windsor, October 5th, 1703. Signs of his promise were evident in his youth. It was his father who laid the first foundation of his life of learning. A parsonages, his father was a rector, parsonages in that day typically doubled as schools, and Edwards' parsonage was no exception. No exception, yet likely exceptional, Reverend Timothy Edwards was a famed educator and a firm disciplinarian and determined that his only son would excel. Uh, only son, but not only child, for he had 10 sisters. Jonathan had 10 sisters, all extremely tall, like himself. In fact, the dad uh, uh, would boast that he had 60 feet of daughters. Uh, have you met my 60 feet of daughters, he would say. Um, is, he well, wearing, is he wearing one of his sister's wigs there? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Ever acute, Raoul, ever acute. Yeah. Uh, such was the father's reputation that any who received tutelage from him was automatically exempt from college entrance examinations. Boy, think of the fortune that he could make today. Uh, Imagine that. Uh, Thus, father and son were perfectly matched. The boy's precocious aptitudes honed by the father's perfectionist demands. And the impressive result was young Jonathan heading off to Yale College while yet 12 years old, having already mastered all the requirements. Uh, But not all the boy's early strides were scholastic. For all of its emphasis, education was no idol in the Edwards household. God reigns supreme and the delight and the duty of knowing him deeply was daily urged as indeed the danger of failure to do so. Uh, Like uh, Jonathan, there we go, oh there's there's his wife, oh delightful, I'll come back to her in just a moment but I've got one other thing to show you, Uh, we're not giving her poor time, I'll bring her back. uh, likely, uh, Jonathan first learned his letters from the New England Primer. Uh, if you Look down, uh, the letter T, Time cuts down all, both great and small. That's the Grim Reaper. Okay? Um, uh, then, uh, then there's um, uh, uh, Y. Notice they're, they're, at the, they're near the bottom. See? Uh, youth forward slips, death soonest nips with a graphic see the graphic there of death holding a large arrow at a child's head okay this is a hardier children's literature than Mary Had a Little Lamb okay this is what he grew up with okay Uh, Recalling his childhood, Jonathan confides, I was very much concerned about the things of religion and my soul's salvation and was abundant in duties. I used to pray five times a day in secret and to spend much time in religious talk with other boys. These are little boys. These are little boys. Okay. uh, and used to meet with them to pray together. We built a booth in a swamp. Ah, uh, okay, that's what little boys do. We build booths in swamps. That's what I did, okay? In a very secret and retired place for a place of prayer. Wow, okay. Uh, uh, but from the vantage point of a more finely tuned subsequent judgment, uh, Jonathan thought such exercises of soul, which he calls them, fell short of a genuine work of grace in his heart. Uh, And Yale, alas, despite the express aim of its founders, which we heard about last time, did little to nurture any of these Godward dispositions. Alas, the reverse was the case, and he sadly confessed, I entirely lost all of those youthful affections and delights and left off secret prayer. But during his final year at Yale, a serious illness, he writes, brought me nigh to the grave and shook me over the pit of hell. This harrowing experience brought me to seek salvation in a manner as never before. I felt a spirit to part with all things in the world for an interest in Christ. Interestingly, uh, Edward's would long wonder about the genuineness of his conversion as it did not proceed according to the typical Puritan morphology of regeneration, remember, which we talked about in the Q&A last time, Uh, you know, certain inevitable required recognizable steps that were stipulated for your experience of regeneration. Uh, Specifically, Edwards did not experience as he felt he should and must the terrors of Sinai, okay, the law. Skipping this step, he found himself in, quote, inward sweet delight in God and divine things. Uh, this transpires, as he tells us, as he was reading uh, a, uh, a single verse of scripture, 1 Timothy 1, 17, Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be glory and honor, both now and forever, amen. Uh, as I read these words, Jonathan tells us, and again he's a, he's a college student here, there came into my soul a sense of the glory of the divine being, a new sense, quite different from anything I had ever experienced before. I thought how excellent a being this was, and how happy I should be if I might enjoy that God and be wrapped up to God in heaven and be swallowed up in him. I went to prayer to pray to God that I might enjoy him and prayed in a manner quite different from what I used to do with a new sort of affection, a new sort of affection. This new lively sense of the sweetness of the divine things, Edwards later came to see as his regeneration, a new spiritual affection that was wrought by God, a a new spiritual savor, a a supernaturally wrought taste for the splendor of Christ. And this question, uh, the nature of authentic religious experience, discerning true from the counterfeit spirituality, would receive much of his best reflections. And his meditations here on this topic are one of the true treasures of the church. Uh, I'm going to say a little bit more about his mature reflections, anon, but uh, back to the storyline and a very pleasant thickening of the plot. Uh, We find Jonathan Edwards, ooh, let's, um, there we go. Uh, We find Jonathan Edwards uh, studying, a little surprise. Uh, Back at Yale now, as a tutor, Uh, he graduated at the top of his class, youngest by far in his class, academically superior (laughs) substantially, too, at his graduation. Uh, But uh, uncharacteristically, there he is studying characteristically, but uncharacteristically, notwithstanding his titanic capacity for focus, we find Edwards distracted. Uh, The evidence is on the cover of one of his Greek exercise books, where we find in his hand uh, an ode to a young lady. He's got little poems that he's writing in the side, and doodles, and this this is a serious crack in his focus. uh, Mm. Well the young lady, there she is, uh, uh, it's a little older, she's a little older here in this picture. Uh, They were not as wealthy as she was, they were not painting portraits of her as an early teen. Uh, This is later. and the young lady was Sarah Pierpont, 13 years old. Uh, she would have been uh, Edwards Junior by seven years, not uncommon in those days. Uh, she was of very fine New Haven family on the top rung of the social ladder. In fact, her home, the home that she, the actual house that she grew up in, is still preserved and is the Yale Visitor Center right there on Elm Street. If you uh, happen to walk in there, that was her home that she grew up in. Uh, preserved. Uh, uh, though only 13, suitors were already standing in line, uh, uh, almost all of them more dashing and suave and debonair than the gangling scholar. Uh, but she found the budding thinker deep and loved to talk with him of spiritual things. So after three years of friendship and courtship, they were married. And it proved, as we shall see, a very fine match. Uh, They took up their new life together in Northampton, uh, where Jonathan had been called to assist his aging grandfather, Solomon Stoddard, in the pastorate. Now, the first Sunday in their new home, Sarah swished into the church wearing her wedding gown. Uh, This was the demand of custom, in fact, law. that all newly arrived wives uh, had to display their wedding dress on the first Sunday that they were in church in a new location. Uh, I don't, I'm not confident about the reason for this. I think it was probably proof of marriage. Puritans didn't wear wedding rings and this is how you would show that you were not like racially cohabiting with a guy next to you. You just wear your wedding dress and then everybody would know it's kosher. It's okay. Um, So, uh, I know, it's the, the, the Puritans. What, what can we do? Uh, yeah, we wear wedding rings, a little simpler. Uh, incidentally, uh, the wedding dress uh, was not the only thing that the Edwards displayed on Sunday, for there was a pew right next to the lectern where the pastor was busy, a pew uh, that was provided for the pastor's family right beside the pulpit, facing the congregation uh, to demonstrate compliance with the eldership requirements of having well-disciplined children. Okay? Uh, one hoped uh, in mute testimony to his right to occupy the pulpit. Um, uh, the number of their children growing consistently in two-year intervals soon grew to 11 uh, Eleven children. Six of them incidentally born on a Sunday and I lower my voice because this happened to be a bit of a scandal in the congregation. Uh, Uh, It raised many an eyebrow in town as the invariable folk belief at the time was that you were born on the day of the week that you had been conceived on. They thought, good heavens, pastor. Sabbath. They were born on a Sabbath. That's for studying your Bible, not snuggling with your bride. Uh, So mm, the things that that poor Sarah had to get over in public. Uh, Well, we're uh, granted uh, several glimpses into the Edwards Parsonage. Uh, Edwards first biographer Samuel Hopkins boarded with the Edwards uh, to round off his theological training and uh, was pretty much an adopted member of the family and, and leaves us some pretty intimate sketches of the household Uh, Hopkins, when graduating from Yale, had planned to complete his training with Gilbert Tennant. Uh, In Hopkins' opinion at the time, the greatest and best man and the best preacher ever anywhere, period, so thought he of Tennant. Uh, uh, But it so happened that uh, Jonathan Edwards, at the time unknown to Hopkins, was chosen to deliver Yale's baccalaureate address when Hopkins was graduating, Uh, and Hopkins was so impressed that he then writes, "Uh, I altered my sentiments with respect to Tennant, and determined to go live with Edwards instead. Uh, So Hopkins suddenly shows up at the Edwards manse midwinter, an utter stranger to either of them, utter stranger. Uh, Edwards was on a preaching tour, but Sarah kindly received him. Uh, It seems Hopkins arrived in a state of severe spiritual melancholy, uh, with uh, doubts as to Uh, his uh, gracious state, in other words, whether he was indeed truly uh, a regenerate uh, Christian. Uh, With Jonathan not at hand, Sarah engaged him upon these distresses, and uh, that so helpfully that Hopkins wondered if her husband would be able to match her in pastoral theology. Uh, this uh, not uncommon for many of the wives of the famous Uh, Anna Zwingli for example would edit not just the spelling of Zwingli's uh, theological works but the content too we got some really first-rate women theologians down through history we're going to bring some of those out too, one of these days Uh, well um, the the impression prompted him uh, uh, oh I should say um, uh, Oh, it was Mrs. Edwards' ability to discourse upon the things of God that, among other things, so impressed evangelist George Whitfield, who stayed with them while on a preaching tour. Uh, as a diary entry reads of George Whitfield, the great evangelist, quote, Mrs. Edwards talked so solidly of the things of God and seemed to be such a helpmeet for her husband that she caused me to renew these prayers that God would be pleased to send me, a daughter of Abraham, like her, to be my wife. Uh, So he inspires George Whitefield. Uh, uh, Once uh, once Sarah's reputation for godliness uh, helped an embarrassed minister recover his composure, Uh, Edwards was to be a guest preacher, uh, but when he failed to arrive, reluctantly the pastor mounted the pulpit to supply the sermon himself. Um, And uh, during his opening prayer, Edwards slipped in the door, but no one saw. Of course, everybody's eyes are closed, and, and he slipped in the door. and and he was uh, unknown to the pastor, praying was standing right next to him while he prayed, uh, who in the course of his prayer thanked God for his mighty servant, Jonathan Edwards, expounding uh, pretty amply uh, upon his excellence as a preacher and a theologian, and upon concluding and opening his eyes, uh, there stood Edwards right next to him, and uh, blushing, he sputtered, I wish I had noticed you, uh, for I didn't intend to flatter you to your face, but... uh, Uh, I'll tell you one thing, they say and everyone agrees that your wife is going to heaven by a far shorter road than you are. (laughs) So, (laughs) is able to at least uh, write things out. And uh, Sarah appears to have been as hardworking as holy. Uh, She was the mistress of the domain par excellence, and the domain included not only the household, uh, regularly uh, graced with many a boarding visitor, but also the garden and the fields. Uh, Once Jonathan Astor, no doubt looking up from a book, I completely forgot the harvest. Uh, Isn't it about time for the hay to be cut? And Sarah responds, "Uh, I've uh, had it in the barn for two weeks, dear. Go back to your books, go back (laughs) to your books. So, It was a happy circumstance, observes Hopkins, Uh, that he could trust everything to the care of Mrs. Edwards. Uh, Her family seems not to have gotten along very well without her. Uh, Once Sarah had to leave them to nurse an ill uncle in Boston, and Jonathan wrote to her in a letter addressed, Dear companion, we have been without you almost as long as we know how to do. Uh, And the sentiment was clearly shared by all the family. A leaf of her daughter, Esther's diary, shows mother was clearly the sun around which all else revolved. Quote, this morn my mother set out and hopes to return in about a month. But alas for me, I shall not be able to uh, uh, await her return. My mother gone, it adds double gloom to everything. A week later, her feelings were unchanged. Uh, You can't conceive how everything alters upon my mother's going away. All is as dark as Egypt. My apologies if anyone's from Egypt here, it's just a biblical reference, okay? (laughs) All as dark as Egypt. And what of her husband? Well, Hopkins already told us that he spent 13 hours a day in his study. Uh, But this did not prevent his leading his family. Every morning, uh, he led them in family prayers where he read a chapter of the Bible and asked the children questions and explained anything of difficulty that occurred to him from that biblical passage, from that chapter. And in the evenings uh, before uh, Sabbath, he worked through the shorter catechism with his family. Uh, Every family... Uh, listen well all you who are fathers or might become such and mothers who can helpfully encourage your husbands, okay? Every family, says Edwards, ought to be a little church. Family education and order are some of the chief of the means of grace. If these fail, all other means are like to prove ineffectual. If these are duly maintained, all the means of grace will likely will be likely to prosper and be successful. And thanks for the grace of God, too. We should end at the end. Uh, but yes, do these things. He also set aside uh, one hour at the close of each day to play with his children. Um, and typically at... Uh, Four in the afternoon, Jonathan and Sarah would saddle up their horses and they would go out for a ride to catch up on all manner of things and just enjoy together the beauty of nature and their own companionship in life. Uh, They were excellent horsemen, both of them. Uh, Edwards seems to have known his daughters uh, quite well. Well enough, that is, at least to frankly warn their suitors when he thought it necessary. His eldest daughter, Sarah, had an extremely a quick temper. Uh, maybe she was Italian. No, no, a. Uh, uh, and when her hand was sought by Elihu Parsons, uh, Jonathan Edwards plainly disclosed to him the unpleasant temper of his daughter. Uh, so Elihu Parsons, uh, rather surprised, uh, uh, but she has grace, I trust, asked Parsons, to which Edwards replied, uh, I hope she has but grace can live where you cannot. (laughs) Uh, uh, Preaching was at the center of uh, Edward's public ministry. Uh, He didn't think himself particularly gifted at making pastoral calls useful. So he didn't make that part of his regular practice, uh, though his people were always welcome to come to him if they were inclined, and he would warmly receive them. Uh, he was convinced that he would serve them better through preaching and writing, and st- the study that sustained it. But, uh, Edwards was not particularly animated in the pulpit. One Northamptoner said, One Northamptoner said, "Mr. Edwards in preaching used no gestures, but he would simply look straight." Forward. Um, uh, Gideon Clark, one in, in, in his congregation, said, he looked at the bell rope until he looked it off. It's just straightforward the whole time. Uh, what was striking about his sermons was the distinctness and clarity of his thought. He handled concepts as scrupulously and precisely as a banker handled currency, one comments and this together with a seriousness arising from a a solemn consciousness of the presence of God. Hopkins remarked, he appeared with such gravity and solemnity and his words were so full of ideas that few speakers have been able to command the attention of an audience as he did. He strove with all of his might in his weekly sermons to create images of the word so perfect and powerful that they would be experienced. He thought it no bad thing to stir up his hearers, but only as was fitting to the truth with with which he dealt. You see that? Oh, look 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 at these preachers who are trying to stir up our emotions. Well, yes, but only those that these truths ought to stir up. That indeed we are. As Edwards wrote, I should think myself in the way of my duty to raise the affections of my hearers as high as I possibly can, provided they are affected with nothing but the truth and with the affections that are not disagreeable to the nature of what they are affected with. Did you get that? Incredibly precise. Hey, when we're dealing with biblical truth, it ought to stir our affections, our desires, our longings, our hopes, our fears. It ought to do this. So let's aim to do that as preachers, but nothing ever, nothing nothing other than that. That would be manipulation. The former is just good preaching. It was through the instrumentality of such preaching, his, George Whitfield's and others, uh, that God brought awakening to many a New England congregation. Uh, Edwards describes such an awakening in Northampton in his account entitled, A Faithful Narrative of the Surprising Work of God in the Conversion of Many Hundreds of Souls in Northampton and the Neighboring Towns. Uh, God seemed to have gone out of his usual way writes Edwards in the quickness of his work when God in so remarkable a manner took the work into his own hands there was as much done in a day or two as at ordinary times with all the endeavors that men can use and with such a blessing as we commonly have is done in a year so you can labor faithfully with all the right things a whole year and only see fruit that God can come down and do in a day. Notice how a surprising work. We can't determine this by our techniques. Or, 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 uh, so, uh, But these awakenings were not looked upon with favor and praise in all quarters. Many a New England divine, pointing to some of the emotional excesses at times associated with them, thought them not at all the work of the Spirit. They were delusive not divine now Edwards defended the awakening as a genuine work of God while he admitted the existence of imprudences and irregularities he considered that such imprudences quote, will not prove a work to be not of the spirit of God for such things were found in the New Testament churches also a work of God without stumbling blocks is never to be expected he states Edwards attempted to apply uh, discrimination, discrimination, to seek, to discern between the genuine and the spurious spirituality, uh, a true and a counterfeit work of grace in the soul. And his efforts there have been hailed as the definitive works on the workings of grace. He locates true spirituality in the affections. That is, what do we delight in? in. All will allow, Edwards writes, that true virtue or holiness has its seat chiefly in the heart rather than in the head. Okay, now by heart, he still has a unitary notion. It involves some ideas. Head, he means here. He means bare notion. Okay, chiefly in the heart rather than in the head. It therefore follows that it consists chiefly in holy affections. What do you long for? What do you love? Uh, An example of what he was talking about, uh, as an example, he cited the experience of a woman. Uh, We know, in fact, that uh, it was Sarah, his wife, though he concealed her identity. So great! were her religious affections that her soul dwelt on high and was so lost in God and seemed almost to leave the body. She frequently lost all ability to stand or speak and sometimes leapt involuntarily for joy. This was no distemper catched from Mr. Whitfield or childish giddiness, for this was a woman whose grace had been growing for decades and manifested itself in a spirit of humility and meekness as well as the soundest of doctrine. Edwards concluded his description of his wife's experience with this moving confession. Now, if such things are enthusiasm, they use enthusiasm negatively, you know, craziness when it comes to religion. Now, if such things are enthusiasm and the fruits of a distempered brain, let my brain be ever more possessed by that happy distemper. If this be distraction, I pray God that he would, that the world of mankind may be all seized with this benign, meek, beneficent, beatifical, glorious distraction. Edward's uh, crowning thoughts on the topic came in his treatise concerning religious affections, 1746. Um, Uh, Notice the date, Uh, the standpoint in time has changed. Uh, It is no longer the present revival, but the late extraordinary season, or the late great revival, as he puts it. Uh, To deploy his own metaphor, when he spoke in 1742, it was springtime of the awakening. And he was viewing multitudes of the blossoms. But now it was no longer the month of May, it was October and the actual fruit resulting from the blossoms, which had all appeared fair and beautiful, now told another story. He writes, uh, it is with professors of religion, those who claim, to be religious, Uh, uh, it is with professors of religion, especially such as become so in a time of the outpouring of the Spirit of God, as it is with blossoms in the spring. There are vast numbers of them on the trees, which all look fair and promising, but yet many of them never come to anything. It is the mature fruit which comes afterwards, and not the beautiful colors and smell of the blossoms that we must judge by. So how uh, is one to judge genuine Christian experience or to put in Edwards terms, uh, what is the nature of true religion? Uh, Well, this is what the book's about and it is uh, a probing and profound work, uh, religious affections. Um, Edwards never gave closer or more careful thought to anything than he did to this. True religion, he asserts, consists in holy affections. Indeed, the Spirit of God in those who have sound religion is simply a temper of powerful, holy affections. Holy affections consist in a delight in the holiness of God. That is a taste for his excellence. So our heart, and again he has a unitary notion, our mind, our will and emotions, savors God and his holiness. Um, So you think about it. First of all, there's something that we need to apprehend. God reveals himself and we apprehend it. But then we feel our whole self inclined, an inclination toward that apprehension. That's what he means by affections. It's an inclination of our heart. Let it be considered that they who have but little religious affection have certainly but little religion, and they who have none have no religion at all. Uh, uh, there uh, was brewing, however, a melancholy counterpart to the glorious movements of the Spirit, which Edwards took to be possibly the first morning star of the millennium in Christ's return, uh, that counterpart was a sad. Oops. Yes. There we go. Um, that counterpart was uh, counterpoint was a sad deterioration in the relation of Jonathan Edwards to his Northampton flock. Uh, there were several strains on that relationship between town and parsonage. Uh, the first was the matter of finances. Um, Many in Northampton chafed over the fact that their pastor certainly was not a cheap minister. Uh, Edwards drew the largest salary uh, outside the New England seaboard. Uh, And uh, on the one hand, Jonathan and Sarah were both extremely frugal and saved everything. But it was true that uh, Sarah had been raised in one of the finest homes in New Haven and had acquired her tastes accordingly. Uh, as one writer puts it, uh, she was accustomed to going first class wherever she went. And Jonathan, with his inveterate book purchases—no, I'm not looking at you, Mike. I'm, uh, I'm looking past you. I promise. Um, uh, that was pretty costly, too. Uh, was it really needed? All these books, wondered more than one Northamptoner. And the fact that every two years there was another mouth to feed garnered little sympathy. Uh, (laughs) Most of their neighbors were in the same boat. That was not uncommon then. Uh, And uh, so there grew a, a great uneasiness in the town until Sarah was asked to make a public and detailed itemization of every single expense of the household for popular review. What two wigs for Jonathan? But of course, as Raoul said, they were just his daughters anyway. Okay, so uh, eleven pounds for a gold chain and locket that Jonathan bought for Sarah. Pewter plates, silver buckles—really silver on your shoes. It was a sore point, a sore point. And the mortal wound in relations came, however, with the communion controversy oh this by the way that's, that's the church and that's the little town of Northampton uh, there that's the town uh, in 1749 Edwards informed his congregation he would admit into full communion okay al- allowed to take the Lord's Supper only those he judged quote in profession and in the eye of the church's Christian judgment godly or gracious persons okay so not just in profession, but we have to say, oh no, yeah, looks like there's evidence of your regeneration. Okay, this announcement touched off an emotional and political earthquake. Uh, contemporaries describe church members as, quote, transported into an uncommon degree of rage and madness in the church. Okay, just picture that. Uh, um, they, uh, why would the townsfolk explode at Edwards' proposal to restrict access to the Lord's Supper, okay, to truly gracious persons, the regenerate. We think, oh, well, what's crazy about that? That's what we do, okay? Uh, well, to appreciate this, we need to recall how the proposal would have radically altered the traditional policy of the Lord's Supper in Northampton, his, his town. Uh, Edward's own grandfather and precursor in the Northampton pulpit had established and influentially promoted the policy of letting the unregenerate take the Lord's Supper. And yes, I see a quiver uh, among you, okay? But uh, even if they could give no account of God's saving dealings with them, as long as they assented to the creed and were not outwardly wicked... He thought that they ought not to be debarred from the sacrament. Uh, uh, and I could talk more about why uh, he thought that that was okay. Basically, he thought, look, yeah, if they really are hoping that God might regenerate them, what better context for it to happen than seeing God's love as expected, ex- expressed in the Lord's Supper? So maybe we should regard the Lord's Supper as a, as, as, as a converting ordinance, okay, not just a... An, uh, 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 A a Confirming ordinance Um, So that's what that was Uh, But try as he would Edwards could not convince Himself that this understanding That Solomon Stoddard had Was scriptural Uh, He he really tried to work with it Uh, uh, Edwards was much afraid That this issue would likely bring his downfall But it was a matter of conscience For him and he felt he dare not Receive any other to the Lord's table Other than uh, on a Biblical basis and his fears in the matter proved sober. Uh, as soon as his sentiments were known, there went up a general outcry for his dismissal. And dismissed he was, uh, June 22, 1750, after 23 years of ministering among them. Uh, he preached his farewell sermon on, uh, in July from 2 Corinthians 1.14, and the doctrine that he observed uh, from the text... Uh, was this ministers and the people that have been under their care must meet one another before God's tribunal at the day of judgment and he expressed his longing that they and he now quote now parting from one another as to this world may not be parted after our meeting on the last day Uh, and so concluded as Hopkins puts it This sorrowful, strange, surprising affair, the most so doubtless of any of the kind that ever happened in New England and perhaps in any part of the Christian world. (laughs) Obviously, he was pretty shocked. Uh, They were difficult times in the Edwards Parsonage. Uh, Sarah dreamed of being... uh, driven from my home into the cold and snow and of being chased from the town with the utmost contempt and malice she imagined being surrounded by enemies who were venting their malice and cruelty upon me tormenting me and torturing me in her waking hours, she confessed worrying that if our house and all of our property in it should be burnt up and we should that night be turned out naked whether I could cheerfully resign all to God What would they do? Where would they go? Uh, uh, Now out of a job, Edwards lamented, I am now thrown upon the wide ocean of the world and know not what will become of me and my numerous chargeable family. Uh, He admitted that the options were pretty few for, quote, I am fitted for no other business in life but study. (laughs) I can't do anything else. I'm useless to do anything else. I see some of you here quivering, too. uh, Many of us are the same. Uh, Sarah and her daughters went to work making lace and embroidering and painting fans to sell in the Boston market to make ends meet. Uh, But the Edwards knew that God was at the helm, and uh, he wrote at this time to a friend, We need not fear to trust him in the way of obedience to him, though according to unhuman appearance, we seem to run the greatest ventures by cleaving to him. Uh, in distant Scotland, some old saints heard of the situation and took up a collection, and this is among the skinflint Scots, okay, uh, which finally amounted to 70 pounds, okay. Our sovereign God can even open the purses of the parsimonious Scots to feed their prophets, to feed his prophet. That's a wonderful reassurance there. Um, little did Edwards anticipate where the Great Venture would take them next? To an outpost on the frontier Oh, I'm sorry, I'm just getting excited. That's that's their home in Northampton. This is Jonathan and Sarah's home in Northampton, so there's there's that, and then here's their little, here's the frontier home that they had. Um, uh, an outpost uh, frontier as missionaries to the Native Americans. Uh, there was a small church plant there comprising of a few uh, settler families and 42 Indians. A congregation summoned uh, each Sunday uh, by a great blast from a conch shell. Uh, wonderful. And they needed a pastor. Uh, I, uh, uh, I wonder if they wondered about the Lord's leading. Uh, a scholar like Edwards buried on the frontier. A lady accustomed to the finer things on the frontier uh, in a log cabin surrounded by wigwams. Uh, but among the first letters, we read, my wife and children are well pleased with our present situation. I mean, the kids just think, nothing cooler than playing around You know, in, in that context. Um, they like the place much better than they expected. Here at present, we live in peace, which has a long time been the unusual thing for us. The Indians seem much pleased with my family and especially my wife, ever popular Sarah. Um, One uh, might have thought that being on the frontier would greatly reduce the house guests, uh, but that very frontier was the site of the French-Indian Wars, and it seemed quite a few soldiers would show up for bed and board. Uh, There's a bill among the documents which Sarah submitted to the colonial government for 800 dinners and seven gallons of rum. So clearly a lot of soldiers, or a few very, very thirsty soldiers uh, (laughs) showed up. Clearly, her gift of hospitality was not going to waste, and neither were Edwards. Um, Stockbridge afforded a great opportunity to forward his theological writings. And it was at Stockbridge, amongst uh, the Native Americans, that Edwards produced uh, his freedom of the will. So if you uh, struggle with a question of sovereignty and free will, this is the book uh, to read. Uh, Alas, I don't really have time to expound it now. Um, But um, also, the fruit of his Stockbridge years was the great Christian doctrine of original sin uh, defended. Uh, Edwards considered this doctrine, which was falling on very hard times, uh, was uh, of great importance because a true notion of the gospel, the remedy, pivots on a right diagnosis of the ruin disease. Okay? Uh, And two further companion works of the Stockbridge period uh, deserve mention are a dissertation concerning the end. There we are, there it is, uh, two dissertations, uh, these two. Uh, Dissertation concerning the end for which God created the world and then this dissertation concerning the nature of true virtue. Just a brief word on the first of these. The end for which God created the world was to show forth his own glory in its infinite fullness. Uh, God acts out of a supreme regard for himself, but since our creaturely joy consists in delight, in the very self-expression of God's majesty, God acting for himself to display his majesty, and the creature's ultimate good, delighting in that majesty, coincide. Uh, so if you've read any of John Piper's stuff and Desiring God and so forth, uh, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him, um, that's where he's getting it from Edwards here. Um, some wonderful stuff. Uh, well, with all this furious writing, uh, paper was in short supply, and Edward saved scraps of paper just like he saved scraps of time. Uh, we find his notes in this period uh, appearing on marriage. Um, uh, there, look at that. So. He would, he would write a sermon and then to reuse the paper, he would rotate and then cross hatch and write another sermon across so he could reuse the paper in that way. So that's an example of much of what we, we find. Um, uh, uh, envelopes, commencement programs, even the trimmings from his daughter's fan making. Uh, Edwards was even forced to tear up one of his old books and use the margins and blank spaces to write more sermons on, a torrent of words, but every last one utterly deliberate and considered. Jonathan Edwards was in his stride. Uh, But this stride, from this stride, he was called to the presidency of fledgling Princeton. Uh, He was disinclined to go, uh, as most Yalies seem to be, uh, but he submitted to the discernment of a council of close friends in the matter of his calling. He actually had a bunch of close friends uh, who were uh, there is Princeton just within a couple years of Edwards going there. Of being there. Uh, Yes. Uh, uh, They, his his kind of discernment group of fellow friends, they unanimously discerned that it would be fit uh, to take the call to the Princeton presidency. Uh, Edwards wept at their verdict, but submitted. Uh, Given the urgency of the need, he had to leave at once with his family to follow him when able. Uh, Recalling the farewell, 17-year-old Susanna, uh, one of his daughters, records, my father took leave of all of his people and family as affectionately as if he knew he should not come again. On the Sabbath afternoon, He preached from the words, we have no continuing city, therefore let us seek one to come. Scarcely had Edwards arrived at the college when uh, his new routine was interrupted by an inoculation against smallpox. Uh, This caused no uh, stir for uh, inoculation was just getting a start and it was common enough. But in Edwards' case, it was always the pastor that had to roll up his sleeve first because he was the most educated person in the town, and if he wasn't gonna do it, nobody would do it. So he rolls up his sleeve, they give him the inoculation. uh, And uh, in his case, a swelling of the throat, they gave him too much, his throat uh, swelled up, and prevented him from drinking enough liquid to quell the attendant fever. Uh, So he died of dehydration and fever. Uh, It was soon uh, seen that recovery was unlikely. Uh, His youngest daughter, Lucy, had accompanied him to Princeton, and he called. He was. He called her to his side. Uh, okay. This. Dear Lucy, it seems to me to be the will of God that I must shortly leave you. Therefore, give my kindest love to my dear wife, and tell her that the uncommon union which has so long subsisted between us has been of such a nature as I trust is spiritual. And therefore will continue forever and I hope she will be supported under so great a trial and submit cheerfully to the will of God and as to my children you are now like to be left fatherless which I hope will be an inducement to you all to seek a father who will never fail you then he looked about the room and said now where is Jesus of Nazareth my true and never-failing friend. From Princeton, the physician wrote to Sarah that same day, March 22nd, 1758, this afternoon between two and three of the clock, it pleased God to let him sleep in that dear Lord Jesus whose kingdom and interest he had been faithfully and painfully serving all of his life. Death had certainly lost its sting as to him. When the news reached Stockbridge, Sarah was suffering so much from rheumatism she could scarcely hold a pen, but brief lines uh, written to her Sarah, es- or to her daughter Esther, epitomized the spirit in which she had sought to live with her husband for more than 30 years. What shall I say? A holy and good God has covered us with a dark cloud. Oh, that we may kiss the rod and lay our hands on our mouths! The Lord has done it. He has me adore his goodness that we had him so long. But my God lives, and he has my heart. Oh, what a legacy my husband and your father has left us. We are all given to God, and there I am, and love to be. Yes, what a legacy. Not only his pen, but also his person, a gift to God and to us, his people, for Edwards was one of the only very few who seemed to have been granted an almost perfect integration of head and heart. And it is this union of profound reflection and passionate affection that is so worthy of inspiring us uh, by directing us to the magnificent majesty of the God that he adored. We better stop there. <laughs> I'm getting very friendly signs that I should. Um, okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, uh, thank you, friends. Let's let's uh, hasten up. Uh, sorry for going too long. Uh, we can take questions maybe next time. I'll try to allow some time. Next week, Lord willing, uh, we will take a, a further look at the First Great Awakening at Yale and New Haven uh, there, Lord willing. Cool. Do I press pause or stop, or does it matter? (laughs) I'm sure it matters. Okay. Uh, Pause.